0: Hello there and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Garrity. On today's show, we're joined by Elizabeth Dixon, the author of The Power of Customer Experience, Five Elements to Make an Impact. For over a decade now, Elizabeth has been inspiring audiences toward maximizing their life and business potential. In this episode, Elizabeth takes us on a customer experience journey as she explores her five crucial elements. She shares insights into choosing a mindset, creating a culture, how to really know your customer, how to define your differentiator, and why you should pursue innovation and iteration. Without further ado, let's head over to studio to meet Elizabeth Dixon. Elizabeth, I'm delighted to have you on the show today. I am so honored to be here. Very excited. So before we get into customer experience, can you tell us a little bit about your career journey up to this point? Yeah, well, it all
1: started, interestingly enough, at the age five. My parents gave me a Fisher-Price ironing board, like a, a little plastic <laughs> ironing board set. And I think most little children or maybe little girls would have used it to pretend to iron, but I used it to pretend to stand behind and speak like I was a public speaker. <laughs> and, Amazing. Um, yeah, I had no idea that that was just a natural interest that started so young and then I think another big milestone point for me was in college. I was trying to decide what to major in and my dad asked me a great question. He said, "Well, Elizabeth, what do you love to do?" And I was a ballet dancer growing up, went to college, you know, stopped dancing and I uh, thought, "Well, I love the human body and how it works and the cause effect of muscles and joints and so he said, well, can you major in that? I said, ironically enough, exercise science is a major, so I can. So that's yeah. where I chose my major. And then while in college, I started my first business. I thought that's how everybody operated, was there right. be a need and create a business for it. And um, so that started in college. So you have this combination of um, public speaking and entrepreneurship, and then in the exercise science field, Um, which then led me to a company called Chick-fil-A that was uh, predominantly used to be in the Southeast. And now we've expanded to two more countries of Canada and Puerto Rico. And I've been there for almost 20 years now. I helped start a wellness program. I worked in HR and then I've been in marketing. And that cause effect of muscles and bones went from the human body to business and strategy. So I've been sitting in the business strategy space and then also research and development, concept testing, Uh, futuristic elements that might eventually be in restaurants um, for about the past few years. So that's been a little from childhood till now.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. And such a kind of, I I love hearing people's journeys because like, it's never what you think it's going to be.
1: True. There's always some unexpected twists and turns.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And of course, now you're an author as well. And your new book is called The Power of Customer Experience, Five Elements to Make an Impact. And it's a fantastic read. Growth minded people are going to love it. There's a bit in the opening of the book where you kind of talk about a trip to the mall with your daughter that just kind of wonderfully illustrates the power of customer experience. And I, I was wondering if you could tell us that story. Yes,
1: I would love to. So it was a Saturday, and in our crew, we have a my husband and I have a seven and an eight year old, and the four of us do a lot together. But this particular Saturday, my um, husband and son were offered tickets to go to a college football game, and that left my daughter and I with a full day that we could do whatever we wanted to do. Well, I decided it would be a fantastic idea in a world where most of my shopping is done online, I thought, I'm going to take her to the mall. Mm. And underlying that, I had an ulterior motive that I really needed to get a new pair of pants. And so I was like, you know what? Like, we'll have a good old time and I'm going to find those pants. Well, I am telling you, it was impossible on this particular day. And she <laughs> was catching on to my, my little well, plan, my covert <laughs> assignment that I had to find these pants. So we ended up going into... After we've been to a number of stores, we end up going into Nordstrom, and I was just, she was just, both of us were just kind of, we we were done. Right. And I don't know what it was. If this beautiful woman just saw it on both of our faces. But she came over and it's like, hey, you know, how can I help you? And I just start to like verbally vomit on her. Like, I, I mean, I'm just trying to find this pair of pants, and I really wanted to have this special day with Ansley, and oh my goodness, and I need the. And she was like, "Girl, I got you." And it's like she created this little moment. Yeah. She ushered us into the biggest dressing room. You know how dressing rooms will have like all these, yeah. and then there's like the one that's a little bit larger, and it had this mirror that, I mean, Ansley jumped up on what was like, felt like a little stage in front of this (laughs) mirror with three different mirrors to it. And she starts singing, let it go at the top (laughs) of her lungs, which was creating its own moment. And Linda, her name, brings in all of these pairs of black pants. So many I would have never picked out, but the one that she picked out ended up being the one that I bought. And she walked us through this whole process. But then what was crazy is I'm feeling like redemption has occurred because Ansley is is singing and performing. I'm finding pants that I need. We're having a great time and I go to check out and there was a cash register that was really close, but I was like, no, no, no. I want to find Linda. Like she has helped make this moment and this whole day for us. I need to find Linda. So I go across the department store and I find where she was at her cash register And I tell her, thank you so much. Like, I really love the pants. And we start talking about accessories and belts and, you know, what's in style. And she's totally helping me. And all of a sudden, she pauses. And she goes, oh, my goodness, I am so sorry. And I kind of begin to freak out a little bit because I'm like, oh no, that's what you say when your customer's credit card gets declined. You know, (laughs) that's some embarrassing thing on my side. And I'm thinking, no, I I know that I paid that. Like, I know this should be fine. And and she says it again. She goes, I am so sorry. And I say, well, what? And she says, I don't have any tissue paper. Like the, you know, fluffy paper that they put in the bag to make it Ah. look all fancy. And I was like, Thinking to myself, oh, girl, I don't care about <laughs> this. paper. Like, I have a smiling child. I have my new pants. Like, all is right with the world in my book. And she goes, but, but this is Nordstrom. And you could hear the pride in her voice of, of like, no, 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 Elizabeth. It, do- it doesn't just mean that you would need it or even expect it. But, like, I'm Linda who takes pride in my work. And a part of our signature is to put this Nordstrom tissue paper in the bag. And it really caught my attention because I thought those are the incredible employees who are working for these great brands, who are bringing experiences to life that truly are impacting people. And what Linda did for me in that day of like catching me when we were fumbling into the store and ushering us into the larger dressing room because it happened to be available at that moment. And then all the way down to the littlest detail of wanting to have that signature tissue paper in the bag. I thought, wow, the power that we have as individuals is massive, but I don't know that we always recognize it. So Linda that day made a huge impact on our lives. And um, I think we all have the opportunity to do that
0: for everyone in front of us. I love to like use the word power there that we all have the power to give this kind of customer experience and and that it's a choice.
1: Yes, it is a choice. And do we see it? Do we see that it's right in front of us or are we wrapped up in all the things that are going on in our day and in our minds and in our worlds that we miss it? But when when we don't miss it and we take advantage of it in the little and sometimes big ways as well, we get to make a positive difference on our world and on the people that are right in front of us.
0: I was going to ask you for your definition of customer experience, but I, I kind of feel the story has kind of just given it.
1: Yes, yes. It's all of those experiences that a customer has with the brand. And so for us that day, it came down to all of the details of the store was clean, they had beautiful music playing, the escalator was working, you know, and then Linda. And then Linda made it all come to life. And it's all those experiences that we have with brands. And our those brands might be in people's homes or their companies that we are frequenting it can really run the gamut of, of any experiences that we're creating for people around us.
0: So you've come up with five elements to help make an impact, and there's so much great information around them in this book. But I'd love to chat through them now just to get an overview sense of them. And the first one that you talk about in the book is all about choosing your mindset. Why is that so crucial?
1: Well, mindset determines what you get. So mindset, it's an established set of attitudes or beliefs, and we all walk around with them. And those mindsets are going to become a filter for how we behave. So it's critical that we recognize that because if we don't, We're not leaning into the fact that our mindset is dictating our thoughts and our thoughts are motivating our actions. So upstream from our actions is truly our mindset. And it is a difference maker for then how we think, how we act, and then ultimately the results that we get.
0: Absolutely. And creating your culture is the second element. I love culture. We have a fantastic one here at Intercom. And You say that the customer experience will never be better than the employee experience. Can you explain why that's actually helpful? Yes. Well, here's the thing. The customer
1: experience is quite simply the overflow of the employee experience. And so just like you said it, the customer experience is never going to be better than the employee experience but so often we spend so much of our time thinking about the customer experience which is great but not if we neglect the employee experience we have to be really careful that we're thinking about both because the employee experience how great that is it becomes an overflow
0: onto the customers you have a great example in the book about how Shake Shack has really gone out of their way to preserve their culture
1: Yes. Danny Meyer, he outlined in an article a few years back about the things that they are really diligent to make sure that they are hiring for. And it's a great article. And then I list some of those in the book where you can check those out. But it's critical that we go, hey, our culture is going to be impacted by the things that we're modeling, by the things we're creating and the the things we're allowing And allowing comes down to who are we selecting to be a part of our organizations? Who are we allowing to stay as a part of our organizations to make sure that they remain healthy?
0: And it really, like, it makes such a difference. We can't kind of convey just just how much a difference happy employees make to this. Absolutely.
1: I mean, you and I, I mean, you just talked about at Intercom, the great culture. As you say that, you're probably thinking of people's faces in your mind of who you love to work with, the the human element, when we bring that to life in our jobs, that's what becomes magnetic. Those people that we love to work with, the people that we care about, the people that we want to go and see. And it, it creates back to mindset, it creates a shift of, I get to go to work, I get to do this, I have the privilege of this, not I have to and it's begrudging and kind of a downer, but no, like I get to be a part of this team and we get to make an impact on people. That is huge. And when the mindset then impacts with the culture, it starts to really come alive and then it overflows onto the customer.
0: And then speaking of the customer, that's element three, know your customer. So can you tell us a little bit about why customer obsessed companies win in their industries? Yes,
1: I think companies for ages have been intentional about who their customer was and is. But what Jeff Bezos did with Amazon set a whole new standard for all of us as organizations for what it looks like to really be focused on the customer. And I talk about this in the book and some great quotes that he made in the early days of starting Amazon is really fascinating, but he showed us That when you put your customer at the center and you truly seek to understand them, to know them, to know what they value, to know the role that you play in their lives and how you can add value to to their lives. And then when you design your experience with the customer in mind, the customer ends up making you successful, And so it's really important that we're continually seeking to know and understand who our customer is and how we can evolve with them because needs and values, all of that, there's elements that are constantly changing within our culture. And so we need to make sure that we're staying up with what customers are truly wanting and how we can deliver that experience or product or service to them in a more excellent
0: way than maybe we did a year before. Yeah, 100%, it's one of the chapters I really enjoyed in the book. And it, it, I suppose that whole concept is, it's one of our values, you know, we, we have it uh, written down as we obsess about our customers' mm. success. And it's, it's, I suppose, just that love of solving your customers' most important, most urgent and most valuable problems and, you know, create and deliver meaningful results.
1: Yes. I love that. There was a leader I used to work for when I was an intern during college and it was in Dallas, Texas. And Kenneth Cooper is his name. He's, gosh, I think he's in his 90s now. But back in the 60s, he coined the term aerobics. It wasn't a commonly used term, at least in the States. And but He really put preventative medicine on the map. Before then, a lot of it was reactionary and more giving medicine to ailments instead of trying to get ahead of it and being preventative. And I remember him saying, I was 20 years old, listening to him speak. And I remember him saying, if you find a need and you meet it, your people will make you successful. And I thought, wow, and it stuck with me ever since that when we find needs that we can meet for customers, when we know what their need states are and how we could add value to their lives. And if we do it well and with excellence, ultimately our customers are going to make us successful. And uh, Henry Ford said, you know, it's not the employer who pays the wages. The employer just kind of handles the money. It's the customer ultimately mm. who's paying the wages. And so, again, that kind of links us back to culture and to mindset, too, that we have to have the mindset that the customer in front of us is the one that is enabling us to have the job that we have. And so we want to serve them and meet their needs and know who they are and how we can meet their needs as best as possible.
0: Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with Intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect.
2: I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. That's all to
0: come on Script. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. So moving on to the penultimate element, define your differentiator. I <laughs> find that word difficult. <laughs> what role does this one play?
1: It is a difficult little tongue twister. <laughs> but your differentiator really sets you apart. It helps you stand out. It's how you're different. Like, what is it? And this comes down to individuals and teams and organizations. Like, what is it that you uniquely bring to your job? What do you uniquely bring as a team to your organization? And then what does your organization uniquely bring in your industry or your marketplace that adds value to the customers and knowing what that thing is, is really important because if you don't know what it is unintentionally, you might downplay it or under resource Mm. it. I think especially as individuals, the things that we're uniquely good at kind of like going back to in college, I thought, Oh, everybody starts businesses. That's just how everyone's wired. No, it's not. (laughs) And you and I, and everyone listening has unique gifts That we've been given and the way that we get to express those can really add value and they also set us apart. But there's this temptation oftentimes to downplay those things that really are natural to us and natural gifts and strengths to us. And so when we do that as individuals, when we downplay them, when we under-resource them, it's kind of like a crime to our world. Like, people don't get to fully experience us if we downplay those superpowers, those gifts that we have. Same thing as organizations. If we downplay or under-resource, the ways that we are uniquely adding value to our customers, then our our organizations will never be as healthy as they could be. So it's important to know how are we unique? How are we set apart in our industries? And then how do we make sure that we resource and amplify those things and don't downplay them?
0: And then finally, you say to pursue innovation and iteration because success can make you think you've made it and there's nothing more to do, right? Yes.
1: Yes. I think, um, you know, Bill Gates, who founded Microsoft, he has been coined with saying success is a lousy teacher. It makes smart people think that they can't lose.
2: And so a lot of
1: times when we get to this place of success, we've been we've been scrappy. We've been fighting to get to number one, to to get to this place where we can really you know thrive as um, organizations. It takes a lot of effort to get there. It takes a ton of energy. It's easy to get exhausted and tired. And it's also easy to start smelling our own perfume and being like, yeah, we are number one. We are really great. Mm. And I think both of those elements and a few others can make it really where we put ourselves in a place that we are not scrappy anymore. We're not, as someone said one time, you know, we might be up by 10, but we're going to play like we're down by 20, as though it was a sports game. And we've got to stay scrappy. We've got to play hard and keep that going. And innovation gives us that edge when we're constantly exploring and pursuing what's next. What value could we add even more to our customer what is that next trend that's coming that we need to pay attention to and it might cause us to reinvent our organization to some capacity the more that we have that mindset and that culture around us where we're looking ahead more than we're looking behind where we're thinking how do we improve this and make this better and not just resting on our laurels thinking that you know we've attained enough the more that we pursue innovation the more that we help our organizations stay um, protected into the future. And there's plenty of organizations that do this really, really well. And so looking to those, they're constantly coming out with new innovations. They're iterating and making some of their existing offerings just a little bit better. The more that we look to those and get inspired by those, it allows us as individuals to stay curious, to, to keep pursuing the things that might be coming next. And then it helps our organizations thrive.
0: And like you say in the book, you know, everyone has the opportunity to innovate one small innovation at a time. Like you don't have to be the CEO, you know, just like you were talking about Linda earlier on, like no matter where you are in the company, you have those opportunities.
1: Yes, you do. And knowing your own culture to know how can you elevate those ideas for ways to make things better, faster, smoother, more seamless. And one way that I find is really helpful is if, you, if you're if you in an organization that is open to being able to elevate those ideas, you know, starting with some language of like, hey, have you noticed that when, and then fill in the blank with the problem that happens. Have you noticed that our customers have to wait two days before they're able to get an answer back about blah, 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 you know, whatever the mm-hmm. industry is. Yeah, I've noticed that. Well, have we ever thought about potentially making this one change that could reduce that from two days to two hours? Oh, that's a a great idea. But so often we jump in with a solution and we don't let the tension get built. And so... I've found personally it's helpful for the times when I really remember that to say, hey, have you noticed this? Have you felt this to be a problem? And then the person I'm talking to, when they really feel that tension, if I can then offer a solution, hey, here's what we could do to solve it. It really helps the idea move along the process a whole lot better than if I just walk around and say, like, we should make this change. Yeah. Because ultimately, I think we're all a bit resistant to change. We want the effects of change, but we don't necessarily want the process of change. So if we can make it feel a little bit better and add a little bit more vision and, you know, visual for what the potential could be, it, it helps it move along a lot better.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we wrap up, I, I suppose it's worth saying that customer experience is a journey, right? I think so.
1: I don't think we ever fully arrive right, right when we think we arrive, something just changed around us. A new, Mm -hmm. a new business came on the scene and they're, they're disrupting and redefining the way things will be done in the future. So I think it's a journey. And with that, we have to enjoy each step of the journey and recognize that we can celebrate today's successes and we can also push ourselves for tomorrow's new ideas.
0: And then just before we uh, finally finish up, what's next for you? I mean, I know the the book, The Power of Customer Experience is out now. And so I'm just wondering, do you have any kind of plans or projects for 2022? I do, I do. I always love to have a little
1: something that's um, exciting (laughs) around the corner. I have a video series coming out that's going to pair with the book so that groups can create a book club experience. It'll be seven videos about seven to 12 minutes each, and it goes along with the book. And so it can help create that experience for a book club. And then also a user guide that's paired with it to help groups facilitate conversation, because I'm really excited and proud about the book. And I get even more excited about the conversations that are sparked, the ideas that are sparked, the life change that comes when groups really internalize it and talk about it. So I'm super pumped about that. I'm also working on getting it on Audible. I love listening to books. And so I think it'd be fun to be able to offer that outside of the, you know, ebook paperback card back, but also yes. to have Audible And then in two weeks, I'm going to a surf camp. My husband and I are going to go to Costa Rica and um, challenge our balance and agility on the waves. So I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot about myself and just even uh, physical ability during that trip.
0: (laughs) Well, those are certainly probably the best plans I've heard in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work?
1: Oh, I would love that. I would love to stay connected. So I have a website, which is elizabethdixonspeaks.com. And then LinkedIn and Instagram are the two social media platforms that I spend some time on. And so just backslash elizabethdixonspeaks for LinkedIn and then handle elizabethdixonspeaks for Instagram.
0: Perfect. Well, Elizabeth, thanks for chatting with me today and enjoy the waves.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's been such an honor. Let's definitely stay in touch.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Elizabeth Dixon. If you did, why not help spread the word and give the episode a shout out on social? Tag at intercom. I'd love to hear from you. That's it for this week. I'll be back next Thursday with another great episode of Inside Intercom.
2: This is Inside Intercom.